Now, if we look at any industry, real estate specifically, there are so many friction points that need to go from end to end on a transaction. Where does this happen with Homestack? I definitely do believe blockchain plays a role. I know for a fact that AI machine learning plays a role. Like the questions that I always ask myself is what if computers can learn from used information? What if they can learn from what we're interested in? What if they can tell us what we truly want? If they can recognize the people, the places, the faces, the products, the company, can we do what our typical output is in an 18 hour day in nine hours? So utilizing this information, especially in the home searching journey, our goal is to accelerate the process from discovery to close. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back to the show, friends. Will Grewal is our guest this week. He's the founder and chief executive officer of Homestack. I know him personally because I actually use Homestack for our real estate brokerage, our real estate firm. It's a mobile app that so many other big names, I mean, there's celebrity names out there. He doesn't drop any of them because he's that humble of a dude. But there are tons of people that I knew were using this app as the platform to launch their real estate mobile app. But this is a story of about an entrepreneur who started you know, in his late teens, who had it overcome his adversity. And we know how there's a correlation with adversity to success. Well, Will's story is no different. He definitely had, has you know, hit his stride. His Homestack team, uh, affectionately called the Stack Pack, I message them all the time and, and I really connect with them because again, we use this product. They, they've scaled operations to hundreds, hundreds of brokerages, tens of thousands of agents. It, it's insane when you think about how monumental something so simple as a mobile app on your phone has become and the backend operations that go into it. It's really fascinating to see how the blockchain and how technology and changing the space will ultimately evolve and grow with his app. This man's in the forefront of what I think will be a very, very fast-paced change for the real estate industry. If you know about our mobile app, the Black Crown Realty mobile app, that actually came uh, from Will's group. They did everything soup to nuts on rolling that thing out, and the entire experience is, is curated by them. So you can see it firsthand if you want to uh, from a consumer perspective. After the show, you can check that out. But let's jump into the, the interview with Will. Will and I are very much kindred spirits in a lot of ways. Uh, there was a Peloton in the background that you can't see that I saw, uh, and I'm sitting in my in, in my garage right now with my Peloton in the background. So we, we had very similar you know, mindsets from, from jump street, but it's amazing how many of the stories you hear entrepreneurs just like will 
where there's these corollaries into the mindset and the things that propel them to the next level. This is a good one. I had a lot of fun. Hope you enjoy, everybody. So, Will, welcome to the show. You know, we've been chatting, obviously, in the green room before we started, but, you know, you and I know each other going back to your company and what you do. So I thought it'd be insightful for everybody. There's a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to the show, a lot of people who are really interested in building businesses. If you could talk about kind of your path and what it is that you do and, and what Homestack is, obviously, I am I use the product. I know it very intimately, but I want to hear your elevator pitch. I want to hear what it is. Would love to share. And thank you so much for having me here today, Chris. Um I guess my origin, a little bit of my background. I grew up in the biggest city most people have never heard of, uh, Torrance, California. Ah, yeah, local boy. <laughs> 150,000 people, yet it still kind of is a quiet gem by the beach. I came out of the womb an eternal optimist, and I think my siblings still make fun of me for drawing my own treasure maps, building holes in the front yard thinking I'd find treasure, asking for metal detectors to take to the beach for Christmas. I just always thought today was my day. So I guess we know what your retirement job is going to be on the beach then, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And uh, no, it's just always kind of been ingrained in my DNA and in my fabric. Uh, I would say my adolescence, a lot of it was built around sports uh, in competition, whether it was watching it, playing it, critiquing it, betting on sports, you name it. I was all in. What's your favorite sport? What are we talking about here? What what, what are we talking about? I grew up playing soccer and basketball, um, but you name it, I played it. And now it's kind of transitioned to beach volleyball. But, Hmm. uh, you know, there was always this competitive drive. I looked up to Michael Jordan. Uh, I always wanted to win. And, you know, kind of fast forwarding to college, I'm a 17-year-old guy, and I had any decision of where I wanted to go, and I decided Arizona State. Turned out party school, brother. Come on. Well, it turned out (laughs) the the reality is every school is a party school. If this is true, yeah, uh, trust me, I know. Yet it turned out to be the single best decision in my life that dictated the path. Yes, the very first day at school, uh, the first person I met was my random roommate. Showed up with a black trash bag, looked a little disgruntled after a seven year or seven hour ride uh, to campus. He turned out to be my best friend and my co-founder of Homestack. Oh, wow. No kidding. 17 years old. 17 years old. Okay. So, but yeah, no, kind of fast forward, um, you know, what Homestack really is, is it's a real estate tech platform, mobile first, lead gen, lead capture tool, optimized for search, then improves communication with agents and their clients. So if you think Zillow, if you think Redfin, if you think Airbnb, it's all been under the design to get the power back to the real estate agent. And one of the unique things is the real estate industry moves slow, but it's never moved this quick before. Yeah. And, and it has historically been, you and I were talking before this about, I mean, there's, there's legal red tape, there's unions, you know, there's, there's banking laws, there's all these things that are in the way to stop this kind of transformation and renaissance in real estate. So you being on the cusp of that new pace of change has got to be fascinating for you on a daily basis, right? Absolutely. I mean, I still remember the day in which we kind of started the company and, and we talked about it. And, and mobile mobile was a big play. It was a big blue ocean that we knew the opportunity in mobile was going to kind of revolutionize the way that people would live, act, communicate, and just conduct business. And so it happens once every blue moon where there is a series of a week where I just can't sleep. I'm mm. passionate about every single thought that I have. 
there's something that is just ticking my clock. And this was the time in which we were starting the company. It wasn't the easiest. We did know that we needed shelter, we needed capital, and we needed food. So what did we do? Well, we did what every startup would do. We started it from a garage. Okay. Capital capital was a little bit harder, but we maxed out our credit card for $10,000. We pulled an Elon Musk and a Kickstarter before Kickstarter existed. And what Elon would do was he pre-order Cybertrucks. And so we pre-ordered our product for okay. the first six months and garnered $30,000 that we needed to kind of kickstart the company. The latter part was food. So how are we going to feed ourselves? Well, we gamed the system in which we found out that if you are a first 100 customer at Chick-fil-A, you get free Chick-fil-A for a year. So my co-founder and I, we slept outside of a Chick-fil-A and we were (laughs) one of the first 100 customers and we got free Chick-fil-A for the whole entire year. So we essentially bootstrapped our company by working out of a garage, offering pre-orders for people that bought into our vision and living off of Chick-fil-A for a year. I feel like this is fucking genius and cruel at the same time. So <laughs> I, like, I, I, just, I can't figure out which way to go. So I got we got to go to the Chick-fil-A path for just a minute. Help me out. You, you guys ate Chick-fil-A for a year? How sick of Chick-fil-A were you at the end of that year? I tell you what, it was a childhood dream that, you know, we, we just no longer go. What you can probably, <laughs> where you can probably connect the dots is we didn't eat much on Sundays. Yeah. They- <laughs> <laughs> wow well okay so how old are you now you guys you guys are in the garage you guys Mm -hmm. use pre selling selling pre-orders well actually let's 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 get into that how do you sell pre-orders to the the mobile service to a generation of realtors who generally don't understand the value proposition of owning digital real estate like how do do you make that first how do you penetrate that market it's an awesome question and it's it's desire it's focus it's vision and it's understanding that nothing else in the world matters. And it, it was challenging. When we first started the company, the majority of our clients had Blackberries. Heck, I oh, even man. had a Blackberry. And the number one question that we would get is, you know, hey, Will, is your technology available for my Blackberry? <laughs> oh, and, my God. You know, one of the things that make entrepreneurs very strong, and essentially this is a, a, a trait that one must possess, is you have to live in the future. You have to learn how to time travel. You have to make strategic plus EV bets on what the future outcome is going to be. So saying no to some of these clients, in fact, shit, Chris, I had a BlackBerry at the time. And in order for us to pre-order this, we built PDFs and slides. And it was really just a design vision board of what the product can be. I love it. Okay. And, you know, we, we pitched hard. We knew what Zillow and Trulia were doing in the industry. We knew that they wanted to disintermediate real estate and we wanted to make sure that we can provide a similar experience. Yet all the leads go back to you where you can incubate them and you can fulfill them on your own. So I want to unpack that a little bit too. I think a lot of people don't understand and I want to be careful here because I'm not trying to really bad mouth like the, the, you know, the, the 500 pound gorillas in the market that are, you know, called the Zillows and the Trulia, the lead aggregators. But I think people don't understand the way they work. Like when you go to a website, even if you never hit submit on your information, they're tracking that information. Like you are getting a free service in that valuation that they provide you, but they're also tracking and selling your information for lead purposes. And you're going to wind up in their email queue. And there's all sorts of, frankly, usage of who you are and what your data is. And I don't think people understand that when they go to those sites, right? 
That's a very good point. Um, my mentor used to always say there's no such thing as free lunch. And, you know, when, when you're using Zillow um, or, or truly or any of the main portals, um, they, they kind of turned into our best friend. What they've done is they've proven that you have to put the consumer first. The consumer wants instant gratification. The consumer wants a frictionless experience. Now, where we can kind of come over the top and by no means do, am I trying to make this a sales pitch about Homestack? I really just want to kind of put the value chain out there. Um, where, where we think that there's value that can be added is exactly to your point, through privacy, through communication, through control. Nobody likes to get bombarded by 50 calls from lenders, from other real estate agents and getting your information kind of sold through the waistline. So you're completely correct. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've experienced, obviously I've bought, I buy a lot of property a year and, you know, I, I sell a lot of property a year for a bunch of my, my clients too. And I've seen it firsthand where you're just getting bombarded with these emails and people trying to reach out to you. But uh, let's go back to where you were at. So you guys are in the garage, you guys have these PDFs, you, you're carrying around a Blackberry and you're, you're effectively, you have this, this vision of what you guys want. You got people pre-sold. How long does it take you from pre-sell and Chick-fil-A, you know, launching that to getting, you know, actual, you know, positive revenue coming in and getting the company off the ground? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this was kind of during the lean startup methodology where uh, we really kind of bred a lot of these principles. And again, being being a bootstrap, you know, we had to make the decision. Uh, it's kind of like the founder's dilemma. Do you want to be rich or do you want to be king? And at the time, you know, this was during the financial crisis, you know, and being, you know, uh, a late teen, getting money from the bank was nearly impossible. And so one of the things that we did was, you know, we worked with overseas engineers and we were selling during the day. We were coding at night. Uh, my co-founder, Matthew, he's got a technical background. He's been building computers since the age of eight, software since he was 16. Uh, his dad uh, owns a pretty large and successful real estate company. So like rule number one in business is have a strong domain expertise. So we aren't necessarily a, a tech company trying to do something in real estate. Really, it was a big play for us to make a, a, a massive shift in how real estate tech worked. Uh, end to end, I mean, bearing kind of the horror stories, um, you know, we, we dealt with engineers in China where there was a Chinese fraud ring. Oh and my so God. That, that was kind of a, a bump along the road. But really, it constantly was instilling confidence in our customers, being able to constantly design, develop, deploy, get that feedback and iterate. We've made about eight iterations, but net net from pre-orders to live, it took us 12 months. Okay. I mean, that, that's not a bad, I mean, for a startup tech company, that's not bad at all. I mean, that's, that's actually pretty damn quick pace. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at if you look at V one, it's borderline laughable. I mean, it was a digital business card. Well, look at V one. I mean, look at look at MySpace versus Instagram. I mean, that's V one really when you think about it in the context of the greater you know world. Totally, and Moore's law is a hell of a drug. You know, technology innovation doubles and cuts in half half the price every single year. So as time has went on, there's been more infrastructure to enable us to grow, to scale, to innovate. In fact, in 2021, it's never been easier for anybody to start a company. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because I, I we started we started a, the bank that we're at now in October 2007, and I remember the doom and gloom of that environment. You know, 14 years ago, there was nobody who was giving out money. All the banks had liquidity capital issues, and they were trying to sell their loans off to get money. Um, so I can I can only imagine being a younger entrepreneur with a tech idea, having the last recessionary economy been the tech bubble burst. I think was right before that, right? So. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you wind up in a situation where that that must have been a very difficult value proposition. You probably had no other choice but but to pre-sell given that time period, right? I mean, there was there weren't very many options left on the table then. Capital was dried up. Um, our piggy bank was empty. Our credit cards were maxed up, and you know, it was it was a way that our conviction was so strong that we knew that we could make this happen. We just needed leverage. We just needed resources. So what do you think? So a lot of, I have a younger brother and I love him to death and he has, he gets passionate about things and he kind of fades away a little bit from time to time. And I think it's because he hasn't found that conviction. He hasn't found that real passion. Like all these things are interests, not passions. What do you think it was about this that you guys, that you guys knew? Like, how did you know, like, all right, this is it. We're going to, we're going to take this and we're going to level up on it. Yeah, no, good question. Uh, f- for me, the, the methodology is always it starts with the team, then strategy, then execute. I got lucky. I, I found the right teammate. I built the right team at Homestack. I like I kind of laugh and I say I wanted to create the Ocean's Eleven, and everybody is a specialist, and we all have one common goal: not to rob the bank at Bellagio, but to really reinvent the way that real estate's done. It didn't matter initially if we were selling toothpicks. Or, or building mobile applications. I've been, I've been blessed and, and thank God that I was pointed in the direction of technology because it truly is a passion and it's a way that I can uh, add value and scale to 7.2 billion people on this earth. But it, it really is just kind of eliminating any of the distractions. Having the conviction and being bold enough to say yes and not only not be afraid to fail, not be afraid to succeed. And bringing everybody together kind of with a common vision, it's, it's really, I've always had that all-in mentality. Go all-in with anything and everything that you do. And I th- I've seen that as a commonality amongst people who've, there's a difference between entrepreneurs who have been, you know, startup, built something from the ground up, and those entrepreneurs who are stepped in in more of a corporate structure and help build, you know, build scale into existing operations. And I've found that those that are kind of the startup guys that, that really understand the grind, you know, grind it out, do the work. They have this equal love for failure as they do for success, but neither one of them scares them as much as standing still. Does that make sense? hundred percent. I mean, I, I can write a book on failure and there, there are times where I, I have to make bets that, you know, even if it doesn't work out, the opportunity of missing on something that does would hurt way more than not finding out yourself. Yeah, totally get that. So, so you guys build this, you guys are building this app, you're into year one, you guys are now hopefully, you know, upgrading from Chick-fil-A, maybe to a Sizzler or something, <laughs> something low key there, but able to get breakfast with a little bit lower sodium count. And, <laughs> you know, how do, how do you gauge like, okay, we're, we're successful now, like we're, we're on the right trajectory. Like, how do you as an entrepreneur say, okay, this is working. Let's, mm-hmm. let's take it to the next level. Like where, where is your mentality around that? Totally. It's, it's reinvest every single dollar that we have and understand where the bottlenecks are. Um, one, one of our kind of claim to fame are is that there's nobody in the world that has developed more applications and distributed to the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store than Homestack. And wow. being able to successfully develop an iOS and Android-based application and going through Apple's permissions of their 300-page PDF of rules and compliance and all of this that was the biggest challenge. What we do and what, what people see is very similar to an iceberg. You see the mobile application, you swipe, you pinch, you zoom. One of the things that we learned very early is how can we scale this out? How can we make the engine go at scale for everybody? 
if I were to kind of like summarize Homestack, we are the uh, Squarespace for real estate. So it's spinning up a mobile application at scale for real estate agents. And each piece of technology is unique. And so one of the things that we had to do early was build this software factory underneath the iceberg that controls anything and everything that can enable this growth and scale. And so really the, the key metric was growth, it was scale, and it was understanding how to operate within MLS compliance. Which so I can MLS, imagine is not easy. Yeah. Not easy at all. So when we started the company, there's 950 MLSs. And just to give the listeners a little bit of context of what an MLS is, is it is a hyper-local database in which real estate agents put listings into that then become available to the public. So you're probably asking the question, well, why is there 950 when there could be one? There should be one, but yeah. Or there should be one. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because everybody has their hand out and everybody wants control. Uh, it's, it's a backwards way of looking at innovation. And so in order for us to scale, we need to provide data. In order for us to provide data, we need to go through compliance, cut a check to each one of these MLSs. And so it was a, it was a slow growing process to acquire the data. And then fast forward to today, you know, we are a nationally, nationally recognized company with data, West Coast, East Coast, and everything in between. And I'll tell you that, so I originally signed up for the app as, as a broker trying to build a, kind of my local presence, and I have it in Southern California. And when we opened the franchises in Oklahoma, we reached out to your team and tapped into them. And you guys got us plugged into the local MLS, and I think it was maybe 24 hours, maybe 48 hours. It was, it was some ridiculously short period of time. And my agents there who got off the ground, they literally had access to their local MLS in the app. And we're able to distribute it as you know a marketing tool with literally within you know a couple of days. What was crazy to see is I started thinking about it. Like I know because I've seen this. I've you know I built websites. I've done my own thing. I know how different MLS data is you know per region. And you guys seem to have mapped that out in a way that was really really powerful, but also done very quickly. Where you know you can literally plug it in and and put it into a new area. We're going to expand into Texas soon. I don't know if I think I told you before, but. And that'll be the next MLS we go into. And it's just great that it's just, you know, perpetually scalable for us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and that wasn't done overnight. Uh, I'm sure know, that, it wasn't. That's, that's a lot of sweat equity. That's, that's a lot of hitting your head against the table. That's a lot of problem solving. And, and when you receive data that's unnormalized and you have to kind of build your own dictionary to then syndicate that information, uh, there are a lot of challenges in regards to mapping fields. Now, lucky enough, we have an awesome team here that is dedicated to the cause. We've got remarkable clients across the country that provide us the opportunity to serve up the data. And one of the most valuable things uh, I do believe that our company possesses is the ability to normalize and standardize information in less than 24 hours. So I think it's worth noting that at this point, you know, in, in your career in the company's life cycle, I found you by you know, my own internal real estate contacts, other large, well-known brokers, several of them that are celebrity you know, types that are out there, um, some of which have TV shows, that all use you know, your app. And because it's so seamless, people don't really recognize that you guys are, are the brand behind it. So how do you, how do you sit with, with the, the marketing and how do, you, how do you navigate that? Because you're so good at what you do that nobody knows what it is that you're doing. You know, in, in, in 2021, it's, it's kind of you want to be contrarian and uh, it's kind of putting your ego aside for the for the better of the industry is, is really a, a flag in the ground move that we made early on. We want to be agnostic. 
we want to give the power back to our community. We want our celebrities, aka our client base, to be able to shine, and we want to be the ones that kind of power the technology. And so, uh, it, it, it was a bet that we made early that paid off very, very well. And it's something that you know we're going to double down on and continue to just be the ones behind the scenes that make the engine go. So, optically for the audience, what I, what I'll do is I'll say this: is that a lot of real estate agents and a lot of real estate companies have a mobile app that you log into and they have some wonderful seamless features and you ask yourself, well, how can they afford to do this? Well, you're, you're talking to the guy who helps them have the ability to do that. And it, for me, our company was very, very small when we started and we've grown in scale, but we, it was still affordable even then. And now with some of the new upgrades and everything else, we actually kind of use that as our primary vehicle. So talk to me about some of the latest things that you guys rolled out, which I think are wonderful features. Like there's chat inside now. I, and mm-hmm. one of the things my, my agents tell me that, that they love the most and I still think is astonishing is now on the on the agent side, we pull up in the app. I can actually see all the MLS data as it relates to commission and instructions and everything else on the local listing. So my client now, my agents who are also my primary client, they can look at the app and they can see directly from that what they need to do without having to go to another resource like their local MLS or any information like how are these upgrades coming out? How how have they, how they've been received? I mean, how long is this? This had to be a long process for you, right? Yeah. So so the think tank is is always moving and grooving, and you know one one of the things that you know we we pride ourselves in is always reinvesting into our tech stack, and and a few of the features that you kind of outlined there was exclusive listings, live chat, custom push notifications, a tagging system. Really, the goal here is to go end to end. And building features ad hoc is cheap. Really where the value is, is making sure that they tie in and integrate seamlessly. So it's one thing for it to live on an island. It's another to be able to combine them so they do kind of have more of a a harmonious experience. I mean, one of the things that we always want to look at is what is the future going to look like? And, And, you know, if we take a look, you know, back in time, you take a look at, you know, the evolution of the web. So if we take, you know, web 1.0 versus web 2.0 versus web 2.5 versus the future of web 3.0, and just to kind of give a little insight to the audience, the best way I would describe web 1.0 would be read-only format. It was the web. It was a brochure. It was the coolest thing in the world at the time when you logged into your AOL. It was, it was everything. Web 2.0 was read-write. So you can log into social media platforms. You can contribute. You can like. A few companies that really ran away with this was Facebook, YouTube, heck, even podcasting. Web 2.5 is really kind of what I like to say is more of the the mobile generation. And it was betting big on that. And where is the future of Homestack and where is the future of technology going? Well, I believe it's really going towards Web 3.0. And that's where individual contributors can make an impact. It's where composability is a thing. And what composability is, think of it as like digital Legos where everything is open source and people can continue to contribute simultaneously. There is no sense of ownership. Everybody can essentially build their own company without being housed in a company. And that is the direction that I think all of business is going into in the future of our technology. So that sounds to me a lot like a blockchain concept, right? Are we really talking about 
you see the blockchain impacting your business in the future? Do you see that's how it's changed the landscape? I mean, break that down a little bit. I mean, how do you see that playing out for a business like Homestack? So where, where blockchain kind of plays, plays a role with smart contracts is always kind of having a source of truth. Right. Now, if we look at any industry, real estate specifically, there are so many friction points that need to go from end to end on a transaction. Now, where does this happen with Homestack? I definitely do believe blockchain plays a role. I know for a fact that AI machine learning plays a role. Like the questions that I always ask myself is, what if computers can learn from used information? What if they can learn from what we're interested in? What if they can tell us what we truly want? You know, if they can recognize the people, the places, the faces, the products, the company, can we do what our typical output is in an 18-hour day in nine hours? So utilizing this information, especially in the home searching journey, our goal is to accelerate the process from discovery to close. So I, I, you know, as you said that, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, so much of what you get from some of the larger websites that are out there are they'll, they'll give you a follow-up email based on the search criteria that you put in. You put in a number of homes, you know, a number of, of bedrooms, a number of bathrooms, and they're just going to find you homes in the area that meet that qualification in whatever price range you put there, which is a decent proxy. But if you used AI and a little bit more sophistication as it relates to the pictures that are on MLS and or you know whatever your local system is, you could probably find a smarter way to deliver a home which identifies with the pattern of of just visual pattern of the property people are looking for, right? If someone's looking for a typical A-frame home in the Midwest and they keep looking at a certain style, AI could probably help them find that home faster than they could, right? Absolutely. And that's the direction that we're going into. And, and going back to kind of the earlier thesis, the industry moves slow, but it's never moved this fast before. And if you look at other companies in different verticals, you know, we'll just take Spotify, for example, like the ability that Spotify can not only serve up new music for me, but really make it in an elegant and streamlined way that I don't even know who the artist is anymore because I just click play. And they're already surfing up content. And they know what you like. It's so creepy. It's absolutely creepy, but I love it, right? I love it too. Yeah, I get it. And so how can we apply this to real estate, right? And so I think a a lot of the archaic ways is, okay, here's your price range. Here's a radius. The problem with this is real estate is so hyper-local that if you were to apply that methodology, you can be surfed up properties that are $1.2 million in Manhattan Beach and then, you know, $1.2 million in Lawndale. And yeah, there's right. a huge difference. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for the audience, I just want to stage that. One of the houses has bars on it and the other is right next to the ocean. And so to your point, there is a lot of descriptors that we can find. And a lot of this can still be contributed by the real estate agent and their descriptors. A lot of this can be through tags. A lot of the future could be utilizing AI and really determining, well, is this living room the right space for me? Is this bedroom positioned the right way? And so I do think that there's a lot more data out there through visual cues and also through, you know, longs and lats than what is traditionally provided to us. So it's funny, you, you mentioned, you kind of made alluded to it a little bit, but this is one of the things I hear from a lot of realtors, you know, and I, they are, they are truly my client in a lot of ways these days. Uh, they, they, there's like this fear. I want to 
maybe it's a phobia, maybe it's just a resistance. I don't, you can call it what you will, where they fear how technology may replace the real estate agent. And it's funny to me because every single real estate agent that I've had use technology has embraced it and been able to do more business at scale because <laughs> they've embraced it. But the way we think about how you guide someone through the process is going to change. How do you see the technological landscape changing the way business is done? I mean, do you see the blockchain coming in at some point in time? Do you see do you see the, the mobile app solution being a primary communication point for a lot of people? Because we all know most web searches are happening on your phone now, right? Absolutely. And if people have that that real estate localized you know app on their phone and they're contacting and communicating with their their real estate agent, do you see the majority of the communication going through the app now? Maybe title and escrow and everybody else. I mean, where do you see that that vision going for you? Yeah. So so the old the old adage is that technology is going to replace real estate agents, and 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 that's going to be a huge challenge, an absolute huge challenge. I would say rather real estate agents with technology will replace those without technology, and that's going to be inevitable. Um, the looking into a crystal ball, how does the transaction work? It will eventually lie on the blockchain because the, I think the, the better question is why wouldn't it? When you have transparency, you have a source of truth, you can create a frictionless experience and you can kind of remove the essentially the middleman. Now, where does the transaction go uh, over the course of the next 10 years? I really do believe it's going completely end to end. And you can already see a lot of the incumbents are really focusing on monetizing through ancillary services. And so how can you build an experience like this? Well, in my opinion, it always starts with mobile and then goes down the path of mobile to accelerating the process from discovery to close. It then provides clarity and transparency on what the next steps are, essentially thinking of it like a, like a Domino's pizza tracker, and then being able for you to store your documents in an encrypted vault where you can access it in real time. I mean, imagine a world that you can treat your property kind of like a stock where you can see daily appreciation and depreciation. Now, I know that's scary (laughs) to a certain extent, and I know that that can be a distraction, but the reality is, is this is an asset that we're trying to make possibly more liquid, but also be able to provide the homeowner with as much information in real time to what their property is worth. And I always found that fear a little bit weird because when you think about it in the context of the stock market, right? Mm-hmm. You're getting a real-time valuation of all the securities that you hold or you know, whatever, your low-cost index fund on a daily basis. Yeah, exactly. it, it shuts off you know, when the market closes, but look at, the, look at cryptocurrency. And mm-hmm. I know there's a, a stigma to that, but you know, if you own Bitcoin or you own Ethereum, you can log in 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can ride that emotional roller coaster of the value. For me recently, it's not been so good, but I mean, for others, it's been okay. Ethereum's been good. But and for some reason, when it comes to the home, and maybe it's because it's the largest single investment that most people make in their lifetime, and I use the word investment with air quotes for those of you who can't see it, because really it comes down to utility, and we think about it as an investment because that was a, a way we founded this country on you know, a long, long, long time ago. I think that's that may have changed, but... You know, there, there's this stigma to the idea of people knowing the value of your home and knowing the homes around you, but you really already have access to that now with these search engines that are out there. And I mean, it's not an actual appraisal of value, but you can pull a comparable analysis on a track home and get pretty close to the value. 
right? Mm-hmm. So why the fear? You think it's just resistance to technology? You think it's just change? What do you think that phobia is? I think it's generational. If, if you look at the older generation, they were a lot more protective with their information. They didn't want to share. Uh, they came from an upbringing of the Great Depression. You fast forward to the most recent generation, either the millennials or the Gen Zs, we're sharing everything. This is how much I make. This yeah. is how much I want to make. Check out my photos. I'm contributing to my story. Give me some likes. We are a lot more open and public with not only our information, but how we can contribute and collaborate together. So I just think that this is a trend that is going to pass with time. And so much of life is quantifiable now. I mean, everything that we do is essentially quantified in some way. I, I always use this example, like influence used to be something that you inherently knew about somebody, you know, oh, Jim left the White House. So Jim has connections. So Jim is influential. Well, now it's, you know, Jim is on TikTok or Jim is on Instagram and has 2 million followers. So Jim is in- influential. And it's, it's an interesting transition culturally. But, you know, in the real estate market, what I find is a lot of younger people are more and more fascinated with the idea of creating wealth and learning about real estate at a younger you know, age because they see it as a path forward from a career perspective. They probably didn't understand when they were kids. But so much of it is sensationalized in you know, kind of the newer fad type stuff. With a business that is tied to real estate, are, do you have any concerns about where the economy is going? Do, what do you think about this next generation uh, of real estate investor? Because a lot of these younger generation, they want they want that blockchain-based investment. Mm-hmm. They want they want a vehicle like Homestack that's going to mm-hmm. give them this end-to-end user experience to buy, to, to get information they need, to keep their information private, but at the same time connecting with professionals because they don't necessarily want to sit in front of me and talk to me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris, is this a good deal? Chris, is this that? Okay, great. Thanks. Let's get the docs. Let's move forward. That's how quick it is for some of these kids. The, the, the value in a real estate agent is, is, is not only to conduct the transaction, it's to essentially act as a, as a lawyer and an attorney. And I, I do put air quotes there too, just to protect and make sure that it's done right. But you're completely right. The, the future of the world, and we'll take like getting a loan, for example, it is so dang challenging to get a loan in society today. You know, if you look at kind of DeFi and decentralized finance, I can have $5,000 in Ethereum. I can use that as collateral on Aave. I can pull off leverage. I can get money instantaneously in nanoseconds. So when you look at the future of where real estate can go, why would it stay where it is today or where it's been when it could accelerate to where it can be in the future? Yeah. And the stigma, it's funny to me, the stigma about that, you know, what real estate agent's job is and how it's shifting. So, you know, I spent a lot of time with my real estate agents and I spent a lot of time with attorneys. I am an attorney, so it's easy for me to say that I can I can say this with a huge amount of confidence. Most attorneys don't understand real estate unless they happen to be a real estate attorney. And a lot of attorneys don't understand the structure of finance that you can get when you go, you know, your lender or your real estate agent may understand the rules of finance way better than your attorney would. It's like there's almost like this subject matter, like gray area where you really need someone. And that that is your real estate agent these days. You need someone who understands the finance world and the real estate world and understands how to get a transaction done versus understanding the laws and the implications around it. And very few people kind of mesh together and meet both those criteria from an advisory role. So I, I, I hear your point that I, I do see, and that's where being a technically savvy real estate agent, you know, who, who understands the nuance will really, I think, thrive in the next 10 years, right? If you can understand 
the laws, how they've changed, and you can understand the technology and you can lever that technology. Mm-hmm. I, I, I used an escrow service the other day that was so astonishingly like efficient with their mm-hmm. technology that I was like, they, they get all my business. Like they, they, they get everything. There was end-to-end communication to the clients. It was ahead of time. It was such a streamlined process that I was like, okay, like they get it. It's, it's, it's do more with less. And, and the, you can go fast by yourself, but you can go far with others. And I do think that like the element of teams in business these days are really kind of reinventing the way business is conducted today. I mean, if just taking a look at, at your specific example right there, it's providing, providing the user experience first and foremost, being able to seamlessly communicate and then utilizing code as leverage. And, and what I mean by that is really automation. Like there is a world here today where automation needs to be your best friend. It needs to be king. And so going kind of drawing parallels to your example right there, I can see that spot on. Yeah. And it, it's such a tremendously valuable thing. So I wanted to ask you about the pandemic because, you know, we all, we all <laughs> had like, you know, the last couple of years have been an interesting set of circumstances. And obviously with the new variant out there, people are freaking out, but has the pandemic helped your business in some way? I mean, has it given you a proof of concept? I mean, how how is that? How did that hit Homestack? And and how do you feel like your clients, the the agents and their clients, the end you know consumer? How do they react to that? Like, what did you see? Yeah, uh, professionally, we were born for it. Um, we we were all always a, a hybrid company, and we're now fully remote. And so we really embraced the pandemic. I, I do think the pandemic was an opportunity for anybody that was willing and able to adapt quickly to maximize on their return. Our product itself was positioned very strong in the digital landscape. And you know, I'm sure you can speak from experience as well as you know the 20,000 other real estate agents we have in our network. It wasn't even a choice if you wanted to go digital. It was a mandatory type of seismic shift. I would say personally for the pandemic, shoot, man, I, I really just embraced it and it, it was a messy time, but I knew it was going to be something that I would never forget for the rest of my life. And I really wanted to just slow down, embrace it, take advantage of the memories, try new things that I've never done before. I was gardening, Chris. I was out in the really? backyard gardening. <laughs> I was building a gym in in a, in the backyard as well. I was barbecuing. I was using Instacart. I mean, everything huh. was either just kind of isolated in my own bubble, yet utilizing technology to provide services my way. You still gardening? Is that still a thing? Not gardening anymore. <laughs> the world is open and I am out. I went from a caterpillar to a butterfly. It takes a, a soul. My mom, my mom's a big fan of gardening. And I got to tell you, <laughs> it, for me at times, it can be soul crushing because I just want to go. I want to move. And I, maybe I'm just not in, in the right age or demographic for it, but I just don't have it in me, man. I kill everything that's green. <laughs> yeah. But I, I see you on the outdoor gym. I mean, is, is that, has that been done? Are you, you, uh, you, you still use that or are you going to the gym again? What are you doing? Uh, both, both. So, you know, fitness is a way of life for me. Uh, it, it is the one consistent in a rather inconsistent world that I live in. Every single day, still use the outdoor gym, got myself a power tower, which was one of the best investments of my life where, you know, you can do pull-ups, you can do dips, you can do, you know, Australians, which is kind of, you know, the overhead row. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the power tower was epic. 
you know, I ended up kind of building out my my own bench, uh, pouring my own concrete in the backyard. Really? Look at yeah, you. I had, I, had uh, I tell you what, man, sometimes I take the, the tech hat off and put on the orange vest and uh, get some construction done myself. <laughs> had some rusty dumbbells, had some sandbags, had a TRX and made it happen. Just use the resources around you and, and continue to design the best life for you. So give me give me a day in the life of Will. Like let me let me. What does the morning look like? Like what's your normal set schedule? I, I find that entrepreneurs have have some similarities here, and I want to see if you hit those. Yeah, no, it, it it always starts in the morning with gratitude. Take the time for yourself. You reflect. Uh, you really kind of envision the perfect day that you want. Breakfast is always consistent. I have the same exact smoothie that has twelve hundred calories in it. Wow, with a scoop of green vibrance that has. Uh, you know, billions of probiotics. You've got your your weight gainer. You've got your uh, a full cup of oatmeal. If I'm feeling a little frisky, a double scoop of almond butter uh, <laughs> and some blueberries. And so the shake is really what gets it going. Uh, f- fitness is a way of life, and you know I do try to mix it up. You'll catch me at Berries. You'll catch me at Equinox. You'll catch me playing beach volleyball. I'll be in the backyard lifting weights. Alex Toussaint had it going on Peloton for me today with the hip hop club bangers. Yeah. So it just depends. And, you know, it's, it's always kind of connect no later than 9am uh, with a team stand up to make sure that, you know, all marching orders are put out there, all fires are put out and, you know, the think tank can continue to grow. Well, I got to tell you, man, I, I, I love chatting with you. I want to be mindful of your time. We're kind of coming to the end here. Uh, you know, is there any kind of last you know, last thoughts you want to put out there and and share with everybody and obviously tell them where they can find you, tell them where they can find Homestack. I mean, give it, give us a place. People are going to want to know where you're at and they're going to want to see you. Yeah, totally. Uh, homestack.com is the web URL uh, at Homestack apps on social. You can always find me on Twitter at Will Graywall. That is G-R-E-W-A-L. Uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, you know the drill. But this was an honor. This yeah, was likewise. a privilege, Chris. Thank you so much for the time. This is fun. Likewise, man. And it was truly a pleasure. I can't wait to have you back on in a couple of years. And we'll talk about all the new improvements that we got going on on the app too, because you know, I'm going to be using it. Can't wait. Keep crushing it. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now. So every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.